From the food we eat, the air we breathe, the land we dwell, to the health of our body and mind and the well-being of all things in the universe. Unlock the science with Chula Radio Plus. Welcome to Unlock the Science. I'm Virada Salim. Entering the third year of the COVID-19 pandemic and waking up one day with Russia invading Ukraine, which led to discussions on the possibility of a World War III or nuclear war. This year might feel quite apocalyptic to many of us already. For many people who might not feel the same way, still, the narratives about the end of the world are undeniably familiar. The classic Armageddon, the 1998 American disaster film in which NASA astronauts had to save humankind from a large asteroid hitting the Earth, or other movies of zombies or viruses spreading from a secret lab. There is even enough apocalyptic literature that it can be classified as a genre of its own. Apocalyptic ideas have been with us humans since the ancient time until today. In 2012, Reuters, a United Kingdom-based international news agency, did a survey of around 16,000 people in more than 20 countries about their belief in apocalypse. It was found that almost 15%, or one in seven people worldwide, believe that the world would end in their lifetime, be it through the hands of God, a natural disaster, or a political event. Turkey and the United States had the highest number of people who believed in apocalypse, accounting for 22% of their population, followed by South Africa and Argentina. About 1 in 10 people globally also said they were experiencing fear or anxiety about the world ending, especially people from Russia and Poland. If we look out for the meaning of the word apocalypse in Cambridge Dictionary, it means a very serious event resulting in great destruction and change. It is very interesting that it doesn't directly mean the end of the world, and it says nothing about death. It is interesting because in this episode, we will explore the origin, interpretations, and implications of apocalyptic thinking from the ancient to modern time, from religious to secular society, and how thinking about the end that could happen in the future can help us rethink or endure the present. The word apocalypse comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which actually means unveiling or revelation. The word is in the ancient title of the final book of the New Testament known as the Book of Revelation or the Apocalypse of John. The book is classified as apocalyptic literature, Revelations made to humans by a supernatural agency, heavy symbolism, numerology with vague meanings, extensive use of visions and allegory, concern about catastrophic day of judgment or the end of the world. All of these are characteristics of apocalyptic literature presented in the book of Revelation. Apocalyptic literature tends to take a deterministic view of history, different by the belief that our path and future are already set by God. However, since the event of the secularization, apocalyptic narratives are framed and provided with contemporary meanings. 
The apocalyptic or existential crisis is still there, but this time the moral obligation is upon us. Will we take it seriously enough to tackle climate change, to develop vaccines in time to kill the plague, or to choose negotiation and peace talk over a nuclear war? These narratives exist in both movies and real-life debates. How apocalyptic thinking has transformed from its religious narratives to fit into the secular world, and how it can be argued that some of its elements have not really changed at all. To help us understand more, I talked to Associate Professor Dr. Rawitawan Soponpanit of Department of English Language and Literature, Faculty of Liberal Arts, Thammasat University. Dr. Rawitawan has research interests in English literature, medieval, and early modern literature. It's interesting to know that the origin of the word apocalypse, which for us it means the world is ending, doesn't really mean so. Could you tell us more about the origin of the word and how it has come this far to the meaning that we are familiar with? The actual words apocalypse come from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means revelation. In the the ancient context, it means the revelation of the future that is like revealed to us by the divine. So this kind of um, thinking has been around even before the coming of Christianity. Like it was evident in the Jewish um, religions that there's apocalyptic thinking that God will reveal how the future of humankind may end. This kind of narrative um, functions as allowing to see that God is in control of events and has a plan for human history. So people were encouraged to be. Faithful and to look beyond death and the struggle of this life towards the time of justice under God's future rule. So, in a sense, the word apocalypse has evolved through time from the revelation of the future of those who believe in God to connote the end of the world, because the narrative of the revelation itself is always entails some kind of like. The end narrative, like the ends of the world narrative, like the future of the people who believe and who refuse to believe, and so forth. But as the society itself became more secular around like um uh, 14th century, that the society has turned towards more secularism. The belief in the religions kind of waning. Like people believe less in the religion and look forward to science as a new way of. To tell people about how the future will be like, and science has shown us time and again that it can tell us about the future. People begin to like, oh, this may be another type of narrative that is different from the religious one. So the the apocalypse has gradually turned away from religion to embrace science as one of the way to tell our our future. Maybe you could share more with us some elements or characteristics of apocalypticism that have been there from religious to secular time, but maybe covered in different words, forms, or different uh, interpretations. The belief of antichrist or how Nazism is associated with apocalypticism, for example. The concept of antichrist in in the apocalyptic. Thinking is very very interesting, and it has a very long history indeed. 
in the Revelation of John, which is one of the most famous um, apocalyptic narrative in Christianity, it tells us that um, before the coming of the second of the kingdom, like the kingdom of God will come to the world, there will be an antichrist manifest as Christ himself. So it means like people will look up to this figure as if it is the second coming of Christ. An antichrist is the figure that will lead human to the wrong path instead of follow the righteous path. So in order to make sense with history, people begin to try to pinpoint who is, who was, who has been, who is the antichrist throughout the history. Like when there was a French Revolution, for instance, this is a very interesting um, period in history in which the conservative says that the revolutionaries are the antichrist, are the people who try to lead people to the false path, to the destructive end, while the revolutionaries mentioned that the conservative were indeed the antichrist. So in this sense, it seems like the, the antichrist narrative has been utilized throughout the history. Like the Nazi began their propaganda by saying that the Jews are like the sinful, the antichrist, or whatever that will corrupt the whole civilization, then they need to destroy them from the face of the earth and we will reach to the golden future or whatsoever. While the allies also see the destruction that the Nazi commit to the world and use this same narrative that the Nazi were the antichrist. So in a sense, this narrative come back in the uh, contemporary situation of Russia and Ukraine in which like the Russia mentioned that the Ukraine are the neo-Nazi that they need to destroy. So it seems that the, the narrative is there for people to employ to that for their own end. It sounds like the apocalyptic thinking itself gets humans to make the world end by ourselves. Yeah, yeah, you that you got it right. That that seems that people are so scared of the end of the world that they might themselves bring us to the end of the world. Like they say, it's like in the case of the Cold War, for instance, both the communist world and the liberal, like the democratic world are scared of each other, that they will lead to the end of the world. So they seek to destroy one another. You mentioned about fear. How do you think fear is associated with apocalyptic thinking? Yeah, fear plays, I think, most crucial part in the apocalyptic thinking in a sense that people, even before the medieval, they didn't know the future. They are scared of what to come. And the world back then, or even the world right now, is always scary. It's always unpredictable. So they have this narrative in a way to calm themselves down that even though the world is scary, but the God already have the future for them. But also this narrative also enable fear in our mind too. Like it makes us scared that what gods might have for us, right? So in a way it can be used to control the society. So it worked both ways to make this kind of narrative popularized. And it also makes this narrative like always stay with us. Can we also say that apocalypse is the end of the world as we know it? What do you think if we say that we are now already 
living in the after world or post-apocalypse time since the world as we know it before COVID-19 is quite gone. Also now with the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, for example. Ah, I think that is a very important question to ask that maybe the world has already ends many times already. Either way, I think the question is how do you define the end? You know, how do you define the end of the world? Does that mean that we all have to die first and then the world renew itself again? Or it means that we all have been through some kind of like really traumatic event and we all re-emerge from it as a new person and live with the whole new world that is different from before. Maybe if you ask those who survived the Second World War, they might say that the world has already ended at the time of the war. And then it, it is the, the brave new world that they need to live after the war. Even right now, maybe the world has ended already with the pandemic and we are living with the ruins of it. What's left for us to make sense out of it. That is the conversation I have with Associate Professor Dr. Rawitawan Soponpanit of Faculty of Liberal Arts, Thomasa University. We will take a short break now. You are listening to Unlock the Science on Chula Radio Plus. Even with the advance of technology in many fields we have today, apocalyptic thinking doesn't seem to be outdated just yet. This poses a question we will explore next in this episode. What is the function of apocalyptic thinking, especially in the modern time? Paul Samuel Boyer, the American historian and professor of history at University of Wisconsin-Madison, believes that there are some very deep human needs that could only be met by the prophetic belief system. We need beginnings and endings which are provided in the apocalyptic narratives. Apocalyptic thinking also allows us a sort of coherence to current events and to interpret the meaning of these events. Professor Boyer argued that it is very reassuring for many people to have the sense that someone is in charge of what is happening or will happen. Matthew Barrett Gross and Mel Giles wrote a book in 2012 titled The Last Myth, What the Rise of Apocalypse Thinking Tells Us About America. They wanted to answer why apocalyptic beliefs were searching within the American mainstream. On one hand, many secular readers were hungry for catastrophe as books about global warming and the end of civilization ranked as bestsellers. On the other hand, a little has been done to really solve the climate change and other real-life crises. In the book, it is argued that the way apocalypse is framed in the media, such as movies, doesn't mobilize the world into action. The author stated that apocalyptic stories in the media are on one hand saying that it is mostly probable, largely unpreventable, and destined to be catastrophic, but on the other hand saying that the probability for apocalypse to happen is either low or can be preventive. These apocalyptic storylines become a form of daydreaming escape called by the authors as apocalyptic fantasy, since most of us react to the idea of apocalypse rather than to the underlying issue such as the collapse of economy or environmental crisis used in the apocalyptic stories to begin with. 
These are just examples of why apocalyptic thinking still has its function in the 21st century amidst all the problems the world is facing. Let's explore whether there could be more ways to utilize apocalyptic thinking in the way that is useful or meaningful to how we make sense of ourselves and the world. Up next, I talk to Assistant Professor Dr. Girati Shinpitayathorn, a sociology lecturer at Department of Sociology Anthropology, Faculty of Political Science, Chulalongkorn University, whose expertise is in historical sociology. He will use historical sociology to look at apocalyptic system and propose how each one of us can take part in rethinking our past, present, and future. If we use the lens of historical sociology to look at the narratives of ideas related to apocalypse, how should we approach or make sense of it in the way that maybe it can tell us more about the society we are living in? One of the things historical sociologists are dealing with is the idea of time and temporality. I think apocalyptic thinking is basically the way that we we try to make sense about uh, temporality, historical time, our horizon on of historical time and experiences. Each of us need a structure to understand history, and that structure comes in three components, which is past, present, and future. There is one French historian. His name is François Hartog. He wrote a book. I think it's very important book and very current. He says that until now we have two regimes of historicity. The first one is called the ancient regime of historicity. Is the old one? Is the way that human beings look into the past? religion, supernatural power, and the idea of cosmopolitan to make sense of the world. It's only about present and past. It was lasting until the French Revolution in 1789. You know, the French Revolution is kind of watershed in our historical experience. It's a major social revolution that changed the world, that destroyed the old regime. And after that, we live in a new, a modern world, a democratic, capitalist society. Then there is a second regime of historicity, which we are in this regime now. It's called modern regime of historicity. Modern regime of historicity value present. We live in the moment. We live here and now. What matters to us is here, is the present. The past is vague, is no longer quite matter, but it's futuristic in the sense of progress. We human beings shape our own destiny. We are our own gods. We are liquidated from the old regime. Everything is moving forward, but the problem is that it's moving forward to what point, what future. There is no end point. This is what uh, Hartog means, the modern regime of historicity. In criticizing this modern regime of historicity, he urged us to, to move and to think with the new regime of historicity. 
the new historical condition in which past, present, and future are the engine that move our horizon of experiences. That move our life. The new historical condition is presented in two ways. The first way is we look more into the past. The new experience of getting the past out is becoming more and more important. We see in the media, we see in the film, the cinema, uh, the literature, the theme parks. The way we study memory, recollection, the heritage, the idea of our identity, our sense of selves toward the past. This is the first way we look more into the past, and the past is unlocked more and more from the present moment. It's not like the past that is gone, that is done, that is buried, that is finished. It's not the facts of the dead that we want anymore. But we want to reconstruct the past from the present moment. The second way is related to what we are talking today. We look into the future with a certain point of finish, points of ending. We are not so optimistic anymore in the new historical condition. The future has to be something that is. That it makes sense to us. It's not just we progressing or moving or walking or advancing forward forever indefinitely or something like that. We need to be sure about what is the end. And apocalyptic thinking that people are so preoccupied with today serve that sense. We want to know the ending. By knowing the ending, we make sense of the structure of time. Temporality, which should be composed of the three components: present, past, and future, and they should be related to each other. If you're not talking about the world is ending literally, physically, there has been discussions about um, the end of globalization or the end of the history. Do you have anything to add into that? The idea of The end is like coming from everywhere for quite some time. I mean, Francis Fukuyama talked about the end of history. Marx, Karl Marx talked about the end of uh, capitalism. That the proletariat, the working class, will reunite it around the world, and they became revolutionary class to overthrow capitalism and move into communism. His prediction didn't last long, but you know the idea of stage and teleology that uh, history moving into different stages. Then people come in and try to make sense what exactly is the ending. So I mean to think that way, to think in terms of uh, futurist modern regime of historicity is like you need to come up with your own explanation of when it's gonna end. And people talk about uh, the end, the beginning, the return, something like that. It depends on what perspective you are taking on. With all the terrible things happening in the world right now, with the war and the pandemic, what are the important notes you would like our audience who are listening to us to take with them when we find ourselves wondering if the war is about to end? I like to say a little thing about. 
uh, a sociologist named Ulrich Beck. He talked about rich society. We are living in a society today, a globalized world that has so many problems, that have so many natural disasters, that have so many dangers, that have so many risks. But he said that to live in today's world, we have to put ourselves into the idea of cosmopolitanism. It's like we are no longer the only person in the world. We live in the world of strangers. We have to think about them. We have to pay attention to them. They are no longer our stranger. If we evoke this attitude, we may be able to understand what the world is going to end and how we're going to deal with it together as a global citizen. One interesting aspect when talking about apocalypse and the end of the world is that it makes the past, present, and future quite revealing. It seems that the original meaning of the Greek word makes a lot of sense. Many scholars agreed that the book of Revelation or the Apocalypse of John is not just simply an abstract spiritual allegory divorced from the historical events, nor only a prophecy concerning the end of the world. It rather deals with a crisis of faith, probably brought on by Roman persecutions back then. When Reuters did a survey in 2012, Americans who believed the most that they would see the world ending during their lifetime suggested that the government might know some information but keep it secret from their citizens. Associate Professor Dr. Rawitawan said that there are between-the-line messages or hidden agenda in apocalyptic literature based on social and political circumstances that the authors were in at the time. In the current world with advanced technology, where for some people, God might not be the only one in charge, apocalyptic thinking has been diversified by different areas of knowledge. Some might say that it has been democratized, allowing each of us to participate in reimagining the past and future with our own interests in order to handle or even change how we live in the present. No matter how frightening apocalypse might be, Apocalyptic thinking can go beyond the end of the world. It can be used as a tool to creatively think of our existence, revealing possibilities of how to live. Both of our guests in today's episode also share the same open-end interpretations of apocalypse. Alok the Science would like to thank Associate Professor Dr. Rawitawan Soponpanit of Department of English Language and Literature, Faculty of Liberal Arts, Thammasat University, and Assistant Professor Dr. Girati Shinpitayathorn of Department of Sociology and Anthropology, Faculty of Political Science, Jilalongon University, for sharing their interesting thoughts about apocalyptic system and how we could think of the end of the world in the way that invites us to rethink about our past, present, and future. I hope you enjoy our program. You can listen to Unlock the Science on July Radio Plus at FM 101.5 every Saturday from 1 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. You can also listen and follow us on our website, curadio.jula.ac.th, and our Facebook page. Our show is also accessible as podcasts, including on Apple and Spotify. See you again next Saturday. Have a nice day.
Unlock the Science is edited and produced by Simfa Dunsorawood.